it's all it's all about the bound bound at the end. It really gets the, the show going. Hey, uh, what's what's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode seventy one. Uh, this will be our you know maybe sort of a sour wild ale episode uh, where we will also be talking about a barrel project that uh, myself, Jordan, and Drew uh, of Duster Brewing Co. Now uh, had going on for God, when, when did we start this? Maybe like three or four years ago. Um, yeah, at least I imagine. Fifteen-gallon journeyman barrels, what it started off, and I think we we did a stout and then a maybe a barley wine, and mm-hmm. then another stout or something. I I, I think that sounds right. Maybe before yep. we decided to do a clean the barrel, um, ruin Drew's sump pump, mm-hmm. um, and, <laughs> and then sour it. Did, did you not hear about the sump pump? I did not. Oh yeah. There's there's little charred bits in there if you're not paying attention. When you go, you know, we figured we were gonna kind of like sterilize it with like boiling water before we started trying to get a sour culture going. And um, Uh, okay, but when we went to when I went to clean it out, it was like little tiny bits of like charcoal that just made like a block in my um, my sump pump and yeah killed it basically so they oh had, that's no had good to get a new one <laughs> guess lesson lesson learned for lesson you know number learned. one exactly so you know anybody watching uh, that plans on cleaning a barrel you already know don't dump it down the sink uh, do it outside mm. or something yeah yep um so it's oberon day uh I, I got some oberon um what are you guys drinking i have some oberon but you know uh I'm actually starting this time. Usually I start with like a hams or something, but I'm, I actually have some, uh, some hydromel, you know, this is my, my honey, honey beverage. So I'm just sipping on that and then I'll be off to the Oberon. Is it sour hydromel? Yeah. <laughs> but you do it is, it is pretty tart. Um, I'm, I'm working on my, uh, rye IPA, um, I didn't get a chance to get out today, so I, I haven't got any Oberon yet, but I will. <laughs> when uh, Jordan, when you said you had Oberon, you mean you mean this year's right? It's not some. I checked. I did. <laughs> yeah. I well, because I went over to my yeah. Uh, uh, this was looks like February twenty second. Um, was its bottle date? Um. But yeah, I went over to my local grocery store and usually there's like a display for it on Oberon Day and like there was nothing. I was like, did they even have it? Like I was about ready to head over to Megabev. And I was like just I haphazardly like walking through the cool area and I'm like, oh, they have like two six packs in like the normal <laughs> area just nonchalantly sitting there. I'm like, I had to check. I'm like, they don't have a display. Like, is that last year's? Did they just hold over some in case they weren't going to get any? But no, they actually do. They they did. It is it is this year's Oberon. So happy. Had one with dinner. Delicious. Taste of spring. Mm-hmm. It does our our one our one Twitch streamer or twi- you know Twitch Twitch person is back? So hey, let's welcome every yeah. every Monday. We see you, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate you stopping in for for why ever you're here. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm version 1.0, I guess, and you, yeah. you guys. I don't know. I guess then it's Jordan, and then it's you, right? <laughs> sure. He's yeah. got a bit. He's got more length than I do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about our barrel first, I guess. Do you, do you want to talk about our barrel first? Do you want to talk about like sour beer in general? Just sort of like uh Let's like start with a barrel. Okay. okay. Yeah, not to interrupt you, but we were already kind of talking about it earlier. So like Drew, I think you're the one who picked it up. You want to give us like the the backstory on it? Like how'd you find it, where it came from? Yeah. Um so I think um you know, Chris O'Neill over at One Well had reached out to um, Keepers of Craft, the homebrew club we're involved with, of course. Um, and Journeyman had just done a batch of, I believe it was like uh, rye whiskey, actually. Um, and so they had a bunch of 15-gallon barrels that they were selling, which One Well uh, took a bunch of them to make uh, some bourbon stouts and things. Um but then, uh, you know, they kind of offered to pick up some additional ones for the homebrew club um, since they were shipping a truck out to, to get it anyway. So I think a few of us got in on it. And then um, we figured, you know, 15 gallons is a great way to split um, a batch, you know, between three people. So um, I think that's how we got into it. And I want to say the first thing we made was kind of like a – like a prairie bomb sort of clone. Oh, we did um, do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh it turned out I thought it turned out really well. Um and then but you know, eventually after a couple uses with a barrel you um unless you recharge it somehow with like more bourbon or something, um you kind of lose pretty much all of that whiskey character and then um I think we were like, you know, it'd be a shame to have this barrel go to waste. And um, so then we started our sour project. I'm trying to remember. And I'm trying to remember all the different cultures we put in there. I, I wish we had taken better notes because I was trying to think of that earlier, too. I know that we have some um, some bells. Uh, Le Bret du Vide, is that what it's called? I think Le, it was at the Le Batour. Labrador, maybe. Labrador. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought we had some wild one. Yeah, wild one. Oh, wild one for sure. Yeah. Uh, Did we get I some put, Jolly Pumpkin? I think I think so. I well, like and I know there was a full pitch of Suburban Brett from um, oh. Imperial. Because I think one, one of the homebrew competition years, we got everybody got a free thing of yeast or something. And oh, I picked yeah. that up because I knew we were kind of trending that way <laughs> to do that with our barrel. So I feel like Brian, you and I were at a bottle share and somebody brought a bunch of sour Smith bottles. Yes. And I feel I, like we took like three or four of those and you stepped up the dregs for it too. I don't even know if I stepped up the dregs, but I definitely remember at the very least we pitched uh, some of that in the, um, in the barrel so um so yeah, I, yeah. I stepped up some wild one dregs i remember doing that for the barrel too so it, it's really yeah <laughs> a blend of things so i guess that's kind of one of the cool things um 
about making sour beer is that it's not it's not necessarily uh like regular brewing where like you have this recipe and you sort of know what the outcome is going to be like you're going to make this american ipa with these sort of hops you know and it's in general going to taste like a beer that you've had before um the like a culture in a barrel is, is sort of like a like a living thing and every time you put in wort they can come out tasting a little bit different uh just based on you know oxygen exposure and maybe uh, different nutrient conditions and temperature conditions and um you know whether you're doing like a you know a, a, you know more of like a red ale or a blonde ale um and we we've had some really really different beers come out of that barrel um and one of them i think jordan you still have some was a um like a red ale base yep um, yeah i still have and, some of that and uh i'll have to try it again i i used that i thought it was like really really brett ford and almost too overpowering to like drink um and i used that to, to blend into other sour beer to sort of remove all that intensity and give the other beer sort of more character um and that worked really well so um i don't know i i think that it's it making sour beer not even necessarily in a barrel but just like at home um it's sort of like an art form and it's it's exciting because even though you have to wait a long time usually to get something drinkable um it's it's sort of fun and worth the wait and it's really not expensive at all um you know especially compared to what the end product is um, but speaking of the barrel, Drew, you have a sample <laughs> of our uh, potentially very last, uh, you know, original OG three member uh, brew for it, right? Yep. So yep. he hasn't he hasn't tried it yet, apparently. So I guess I give, it, give it a shot. Give us a live read on, on what you yep. got there. Well, we'll see if I'm like puking in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be I think it'll be good. It has been sitting for a while. It's been a while. It's probably been too long, but as long as it doesn't taste like vinegar. No, I'm not getting not getting vinegar. It's almost got like a light kind of apple pear thing going on. I feel like I remember that like the last time we tried it, it had something like that going on. Okay. I think it's I think it's quite enjoyable. <laughs> um there we go so one fun thing i'll say um some folks might be wondering how i got that little sample there um hmm. so there's a trick uh you know sour makers do um where you can take a nail um you can drill you know you want to get um a drill bit that's just a little bit um smaller than the nail you're going to use Ideally, you'd be getting like stainless steel for that and stainless steel for the nail, um, you know, because you don't you don't want anything to rust in your beer, right? Um, and you also have the ability to kind of sanitize it, mm -hmm. um, which is what we did with ours. So, um, and you just probably like within the bottom third of the barrel, you want to put it there so you've got a little bit of head pressure um when you take the nail in and out but um yeah i just you once you have the nail in there um i just took a pair of pliers pulled it out 
got let it kind of drip in there um, to get a little sample and then you can push the nail back in hit it with a hammer a couple times and um, you stop your your flow or whatever but that way just you to clarify kinda... when you drill the hole you didn't drill it with beer in the barrel right or did you no i don't okay <laughs> well actually i'm not sure i th- oh really i think if you were quick you could but it's probably yeah. easier uh when it's empty right well if, if, okay. the, if you seal the barrel like if you pull the bung and like put a solid one on there which is what it should be anyways right while it's aging because you don't keep the airlock on it right mm-hmm. prevent yeah then it like there should be no downward pressure so you'll get a little leaking but it's not gonna like spray out yeah it's it's a it's a trickle basically like i'm I, unless you're using a huge nail or something but yeah so um we have something that we're going to do with the barrel now that we uh are putting our last batch through it um that i think is going to be kind of fun and uh, I appreciate you guys to agreeing to this. Um, I, I, I think the details are still being worked out, but the idea is that once we empty our barrel, we are then going to, um, so I think I think we're going to start with keepers and we're going to kind of donate it to our club and we're going to get uh, our club to brew a beer for the barrel uh, to then bring to uh, the Michigan Homebrew Festival. Does that sound right? Is that kind of what we agreed on? Yeah. And, and right. then out at the Michigan Homebrew Festival, we will uh, somehow, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but we will uh, then gift the barrel to the next club to then brew a beer uh, with in that barrel and bring to the Homebrew Festival the next year. Or maybe it'll be, you know, swapped around a couple times a year, um, you know, maybe once in the winter and once at the festival. I'm not 100% sure, but it's still being worked out. But um I feel like we had a cool fancy name for it, but I don't remember what it was anymore. I I like I like the idea of you know having it swapped at the Michigan Homebrew Fest. Like if there's a, I don't know, like I think Jason works with the owners. Like we could do like another, um, like sour prize or whatever, and the, you know the winning vote, you know, gets the barrel for the year. Kind of like they have that keg. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know just spitballing but, no. but yeah no I, I like i like the idea of that being like a traveling you know living thing because that's what it is you know <laughs> it is mm-hmm. it really is well, one you, of these days kinda, oh sorry go ahead no no go ahead uh, i was just gonna say and yeah i mean that's one thing with the sour barrels is like as long as you keep putting product back in it you don't you don't let it dry out right so you mm-hmm. we, when we've done it we've tried to get a batch ready, you know, like we, we'd make our Blondale or whatever. And then, um, when we drain it, the Blondale would be at a stage where it was ready to go in the barrel. Um, and I mean, you can kind of reuse it indefinitely unless you get some kind of weird thing going on. But if you take care of the barrel and you keep it from getting dried out, um, so I, yeah, it's just really cool. So let's talk about that too. Um, when brewing a base for a sour beer, um, you know, there's, there's quite a few options, but without being too complicated, um, generally what are we looking at for like, say like a, a blonde base recipe? Do you remember what we usually use? Uh, I mean, it's, 
pretty simple. I think one big thing to keep in mind, I'm going to pull it up on my other screen here, but, um, you know, I think using like hops that have been aged is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're, when you're talking about traditional sours, which is what we're talking about. Um, cause you don't really, unless you're going for like a dry hop sour or something, of course that would be different. But, um, when you're making that sort of base recipe, um, you want hops that have kind of lost pretty much all their sort of citrusy character. Um, otherwise it kind of overwhelmed things in the barrel. Um, well, there's a, there's another good reason for that too. And that's that the, um, the bacteria that you'll be using to create, you know, the, the lactic acid, um, generally has different tolerances for IBUs. Um, so, uh, the two bacteria that are most common for making lactic acid are uh, lactobacillus and pediococcus. Um, lactobacillus generally, I think tends to like to be under like 10 IBUs. And Pediococcus likes to be under 30. Um, otherwise, it generally doesn't really perform all that well. Um, so that's right. something to keep in mind, too. Uh, if you're using hops in higher quantities, you may end up with a less sour beer. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just one of the things that you can use to control, you know, at what, what level you, you like your beer at. If you have a particular culture that just fucking loves to get sour, um, you might be able to, you know, up the IBU just a little bit, um, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and balance it out and maybe, you know, get something closer to like, you know, 3.2 pH instead of like 2.8 or something like that. Um, so that's something to keep in mind too. But if you are using Pediococcus, you probably want Britannomyces in your brew as well. Um, Pediococcus tends to produce a lot of, um, other weird off flavors and components and stuff like that, that it will not clean up by itself, but Britannomyces will. So, um, but, but it's slow. Brett, Brett does a lot of things pretty slow when it cleans up. So that's sort of a lot of the reason why some sour beers take so long to sort of mature. Um, if you um, have like Pediococcus in your, in your sour beer, uh, it can produce this sort of like, have you guys ever heard of like ropiness or seen ropiness in a beer? Um, yeah, I've heard that. It, you can Google videos of it and just see what like pouring a, 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 a sick beer looks like is what they call it. It basically looks like you're pouring like, like snot, like blonde beer snot. Like it's, it's, it's very, very viscous and it will clean up on its own after time. But uh, PDO is pretty, uh, pretty well known for doing that. Gross. Um, yeah, super gross. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's there and it adds some complexity and stuff like that. It just takes a little bit of time. What'd you find for the recipe, Drew? Oh yeah. Um, I'm looking at it. Uh, looks like we did uh, about 54% um, two row, just pale malt. We mm -hmm. did about 25% white wheat. I think that was kind of give it some nice body and stuff too. Yep. yep. Um, we did 10% flaked oats. I think that was kind of for the body too, of course. And yeah, we were all about the body on this one, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm, surprised. <laughs> then, I'm very surprised. And then a 5% carapils. So this is like our, our barrel 
or I mean, uh, our, our blonde version. Yeah. Hmm. That, um, that blonde was really good, in my opinion. I, I still think I have a couple bottles left that I'm holding off to submit. And then I'd left, uh, we use Canadian red vine for the <laughs> um, the hops because, you know, uh, I grow some of that and it's, you know, and so what I had done basically is just left the hops out at room temperature for a couple of months. So they get quote unquote cheesy. Um and they they just they age they lose you know kind of that s- spicy citrus character they normally might have um and it's kind of yeah it's just there to kind of add balance and things um i forgot i forgot whether we use that red vine that's awesome <laughs> yeah i liked those hops by the way i used a few a few of those that you gave to a uh to me true because those are your homegrown homegrown hops, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, there was a there was a pale ale I did a while ago that actually turned out phenomenal with those in there. So good hops. They grow like, like crazy. I mean, they outproduce. I've got four plants um, down at the family farm, and uh, the Canadian red vine, I swear, does probably 50% more than the Chinook and then the Chinook's hmm. about double the Centennial and the Cascade. So, wow. It really produces like crazy. That seems like a really good pop to use. If you just want, you know, if you plan on doing a lot of sour beer and really just plan on and need, you know, a lot of material, literally just for some, some IBUs or something like that. That, uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. You still have any? Uh, yeah, I, I've got, I don't know. I probably have a pound maybe in the freezer still. That's that's cool. Yeah, I'm just opening my second. I'll get into some sour beer in a minute here since we're doing the sour beer show. But. Well, you when you were talking about hops is one of the things you kind of got to be cognizant of um, with, with sour beers. I mean, it kind of goes back to the fact that hops were introduced to be a preservative in the first place. And like, sure. You know, when you're making a sour, you're in a way you're kind of in, intentionally letting it, you know, kind of funkify, right? So, yep, it's a little counterintuitive to throw a bunch of hops in there, you know. Hundred percent. Um, that's not to say that you you can't do it though. I think that um, they're at least after the fact. Um, yeah, dry Sour. Yeah, dry dry hop sour, super yeah. super interesting flavor, super super good. Um, but again, all that sourness is pretty much done by that point. Um, so you're basically just adding flavor. You're not preserving or anything at that point. Oh, I um, forgot one important thing about our recipe too. The mash we mashed at one fifty six. So and, I want to. You can explain why we we did a high mash temp on that one. I, I do, and I want to even go further. Um, so um, that that's even maybe a little bit low, uh, lower than what I do these days. I, I mash it closer to 160, 162 these days. Um, and I use more wheat than what that recipe called for. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that recipe is wrong or anything like that. I, th- I think that was just our first shot at it. And, mm-hmm. and the beer was really good. But um, if... Um, the, the idea basically is that you want a lot of residual um, 
like uh, like sugars and dextrins and, and things like that for the uh, Britannomyces and um, you know whatever whatever else in there to, to chew on. Um, generally, you're not just pitching like Brett and you know bacteria. You usually have some sort of like Saccharomyces uh, cerevisiae in there too, and that sort of produces the initial base fermentation. Um, you, you kind of pitch a strong colony of sac um, at the same time. Well, it doesn't have to be at the same time, but um, you know, with, with these bugs and Britannomyces and stuff like that, once the Saccharomyces, you know, has its way with all the sugar in there, and there's a bunch of residual sugar left, then it gives everything else its its shot to you know kind of eat up and chew everything that's left. Um, so you don't get this like really overpoweringly funky, crazy uh, fermentation. You sort of have this you know, clean-ish to start fermentation, which then matures and becomes, um, you know, something fun uh, as it ages. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of been, been my goal um, lately. That's, that's just what I've learned, you know, since we started the barrel and stuff like that. Um, I think now I have something like 60 gallons of sour beer in my basement in kegs. Uh, um, one of these days, maybe during the summer, I have to have you guys over and we can we can taste some sour beer. And I, I've been holding those to do some blending projects with. I just it. I don't have any tasting notes on them. I haven't done anything with them. Yeah. I've been ignoring them. So, um, so yeah, what's your should be what's, fun. what's the final gravity you're shooting for before you throw it in the barrel? I don't actually look for a final gravity, to be completely honest. Um, I basically just kind of give it a, a taste. Okay. Uh, well, so here's the thing too. I don't, um, are you talking about before I, before I keg it or what are, what are you talking about? Well, so you're saying you, you, you mash it high and then you let the yeast, the standard yeast, not wild yeast kind of finish doing its thing. And then you're left with probably a normal higher final gravity. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So let's split this up. So this is the way that we do the barrel project, right? Um, the barrel project, we all um, created a base blonde ale and we fermented it with something like USO5 or SO4. Um, just some dry yeast, cheap, you know, clean, decent alcohol tolerance, clean. Um, we let that ferment down until, you know, it was done basically until we had a stable gravity reading over a couple of days, whatever that ends up being probably around like 10, 20 ish. Um, it would be my guess, um, is like a good target. And then we took that 10, 20 ish beer and then we put that into an inoculated barrel and then we let it do its thing in there. Um, what I do at home is I co-pitch. So, I I get my, you know, 1050, 1060 wort or whatever, and I cool it down and I put it in my fermenter and I'll add a pack of like USO5 or something, uh, you know, or Saison yeast or something like that. And all of the uh, miscellaneous, you know, bugs or dregs or whatever, and, uh, and let that sit and do its thing all together. The... Uh, USO5 will create a strong colony. It will, you know, overpower everything else that's in that fermenter to start. 
but then once it can't uh, process any more of those complex sugars, it you know settles out, dies, does whatever, um, and then um, all the while the bread is sort of like establishing itself as it can, um, eating whatever the Saccharomyces can't, you know, or in the, in the lacto and PDO and stuff like that. Um, and so those cultures then establish themselves, consume whatever's left, and then also you know kind of die out or whatever, and then I'm left with um, my my beverage. So that I usually sit on, you know, for nine months to a year um, before I even taste it for the first time. Okay. So yeah. you have, you, yeah. it works on stages because, you know, like, you know, Saccharomyces, normal yeast is pretty fast acting, you know, it has a quick doubling time. So it gets up mm-hmm. to numbers faster. Whereas your other bugs will work towards the end. Yeah. So I can see how that would work with, you know, pretty much. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're all doing stuff at the same time. It's just the, the Saccharomyces has such a bigger culture built up. You know, because I'm just pouring dregs of a few bottles in there versus an entire, you know, pre-sealed whatever sachet of, you know, yeast that's good to ferment an entire five-gallon batch. Um, so, yeah, the, the other colonies of the bugs in Breton, whatever, they're they're still building up while the Saccharomyces is fermenting and stuff. But then once the Saccharomyces can't do anything anymore, everything else sort of comes in and, you know, has their their feast it's sort of like the ants taking you know the rest of the meat off a carcass or something like that yeah yeah no that's trick tim tim we owe you a hat jordan has your hat I that's I, I was gonna say I, I sent a, I, that's I asked because I wasn't sure who we owed a hat to. He was over here on Saturday, so I should oh, have given he? it to him then. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> damn it, Tim. I'm sorry, Tim. I uh, we we owe we owe lots of people things still, and we have everything now for the most part. So hopefully we'll be able to get those mailed out soon. I haven't forgotten. Maybe I should send an email out to remind people. But then again, maybe if I don't. Uh, People will, can just be surprised when random, you know, shit shows up at their house. So. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need your a co pitch. You, what are you using for your fermenter? Is that a bucket? Is it a carboy? What are you? Yeah. So, uh, glass is going to be um, the best with regards to um, oxygen and and really you know, not having that fermenter be O2 permeable um, where, you know, the, as much as you can prevent it, but, uh, we're in VR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to, I want to see us in VR. I'll have to do that one day. I'll have to go back and watch one of our YouTube. <laughs> Tim says I'm watching you guys on the Oculus. <laughs> we kind of just like punch the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't like glass, so I, I use it as little as I can. I think I have two glass carboys. Um, and then the rest, I actually have PET carboys um, that I really like. They are still pretty good as far as like O2 permeability goes. Um, I think that they're pretty much as good as like what a, I think they're as good as like what a, a well-sealed barrel would be. So still lets in oxygen a little bit, but not too bad. I might be thinking HDPE though. I can't 100% remember. Um, but they, they've worked really well. The only issue is then, um, they're a little bit harder to clean than glass. 
because you know with glass you can stick like a an abrasive like carboy cleaner in there and just scrape the shit out of it um with these pet ones you don't necessarily want to do that i mean i know there's, there's sour beer that's going back in there anyway um so if it gets you know quote unquote infected it's not that big a deal but i don't want to infect it with something like acetobacter or something like that mm-hmm. um you know i don't i don't necessarily want a bunch of you know super vinegary beer or anything like that um <laughs> but uh yeah uh, I, I like I like something that can be well sealed uh, like that. Um, that's moderately expensive because, again, you're going to have to be setting it aside for quite a while. You don't want to use a normal plastic bucket and set it aside for a year because those things um, don't hold out oxygen really well at all. Um, if you wanted to devote a um, um, a speedle to it that would probably be the same as aging beer in a barrel. I think, um, I, I, I believe that those have pretty good, um, O2 like ingress, like tolerances or whatever, but, um, they're expensive though. You know, you don't want to devote maybe a $60 speedle to sitting around for a year. So, um, I mean, what's a barrel going to cost you? True. But I mean, what's a, you know, What's a PET carboy going to cost you? That's like $15. That, yeah, that's, that's true. You're talking about like, like PET, like uh, one of those better bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, a better okay. bottle. Yeah. All right. All right. So and in fact, that, I think, I think those are really good for O2 if I remember right. Way better than a barrel. So with the barrel, um, just so folks know, of course, like we're not cleaning it between uh, pitches. We're just kind of letting that last, bit of wild yeast and stuff uh leaving that behind so when we put fresh um well mostly fermented out we're in there everything just steps back up again so and that's the thing too i guess uh you know you don't even have to clean your fermenter after you are emptying it you can pitch you know your your brewed wort back onto uh, the dregs of what you just emptied it out uh it's it's something that people do it's totally totally doable i mean it's all it's all just sort of there's there's just a lot of art and experimentation i think to making sour beer um well you're know, creating you your to, own ecosystem you, you really are yeah yeah, yeah i mean and, it makes a difference if you're going for different sort of a different mix of cultures than you know, you might be cleaning things out and trying something different, but um, I'd, you know, I'd almost barrel, it's kind of it is what it is. Our mix of cultures is probably not really going to change a whole lot. It's more the the base beer we're putting in, and right. maybe you know maybe things we're doing after with it, dry hopping, fruit, whatever kind of thing. I, I'd almost say like because you know sour bar- sour barrels, ugh, almost a little hard to say. <laughs> Only two beers in. Uh, three, I guess now. Um, but you know, there's, there's so much of a, there's so much life to it that's going on, uh, within that barrel. I'd almost say like, if you're going to change your pitch, I'd almost say just, you know, dial in, you know, the flavors that you want, take the dregs out of, you know, the, the beers that you like those flavors on and then start a new project on it and kind of leave your old one, unless it's just rancid, you know, and you don't, you don't like it and you kind of need to start over, but it will, you know, kind of come into its own over time. 
So let's let's. Uh, I think we should talk about the elephant in the room, which is when you're dealing with wild sours. Uh, I, me personally, I have a separate set of equipment that I use for anything that touches the sour beer. Mm, so I got mm -hmm. my own siphon. I've got buckets that are labeled. I'm sure those carboys you were talking about are probably labeled as like sours or something. So you don't, you know, mix things, but mm -hmm. that's an important thing to do because you can have unintentional sours. So uh, cleaning and sanitizing is obviously the most important thing that we can do for any of our batches, whether we're making sour beer or um, not sour beer. And the same things like PBW and star sand, um, it's just as effective on Saccharomyces, you know, our, our normal uh, beer yeast, Saccharomyces cerevisiae and Lachancia and stuff like that, um, as it is on, uh, as it is on Brett and, you know, Pediococcus and Lactobacillus, like those chemicals will kill all of those things. Um, the issue becomes the, the sort of material that you're using when you're brewing and fermenting. Like if you're using stainless steel and you are cleaning well, like you are disassembling your equipment and, uh, you know, sanitizing and, and whatever, you'll probably be fine for the most part, like 99.99% chance you'll be fine. If you're using plastic, uh, you know, plastic scratches so easily that not everything is going to get cleaned out all the time, always. Um, so plastic makes it tough glass on the other hand, um, there's, there's not a whole lot of crevices in glass where, where things can hang out. So glass can be sanitized and cleaned and, and reused without much fear. Um, so it all really depends on how comfortable you are with, uh, with, with your brewing, um, and your cleaning and your sanitizing. I, I'm, I take that approach, Drew. I have a lot of separate equipment. Um, for a lot of the things that I do, but I do share some things. Um, I have a stainless steel auto siphon that I use. Mm -hmm. Um, and I use that with my meads and I use that with my sour beer. Um, the thing is though, is that, uh, I bake it in between the cleanings. So I will, mm -hmm. I will take the entire thing, um, and stick it in my oven at like 250 degrees for like 15 minutes um, and, you know, let it sit in there until it cools down and stuff on top of sanitizing and cleaning in between uses just to be, you know, double, triple sure that I'm, I'm killing stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it just comes down to your comfort level. Um, I have a, I have a tap cooler that I use to fill bottles. Um, I, I'm sorry, I have two tap coolers that I use to fill bottles. I have one that I use just for sour beers, and I have one that I use just for everything else. Um, just because when I when I send beers off to competitions, I am super paranoid about me not even necessarily cleaning everything out of the, you know, the sour tap cooler. I can boil it, but I'm just so paranoid about it. Um, you know, I could stick it in the oven like I do my, my auto siphon, but for some reason in my head, it just... It just, my comfort level isn't there. So I don't know. It's weird, but. Well, I think um, I brought a couple bottles to uh, one of the keepers Christmas parties. And um, I was like, yeah, I, had, I think it was like, um, maybe it was a stout or something. 
I was like, oh yeah, I made this stout. And then people were like, oh, I don't know. It kind of tastes kind of sour. And I was like trying to figure it out. Um, the bottling wand I used, I used my sour one by accident to fill a couple bottles. Crazy. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I filled them maybe like the week before and like in that week or whatever, it took off in the bottle. Yeah, it doesn't take like, much. You know, like it, it, it's, it's wild how that works. And it, it was just the culture in a little bottling one. I mean, that was it. Like, you know, and, yep. and I cleaned it even, I mean, you know, but so I don't take any chances anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> and I try to label everything to not get confused. Thank you for, for busting out some, some old beer, Mark. Uh, yeah. 2019, sounds, man. I know it sounds delicious. Yeah. Shane is giving me some shit too. I, I have this habit. And so when I, when I bake my siphon, uh, sometimes I forget that it's in there. And so, you know, Shana will go and like start dinner that evening or something like that and like preheat the oven, you know, like 350, open it up to put something in the oven and, and there's a siphon just hanging out, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to like take it out unless you have a cooling rack or something and just turn the oven off and let it cool down naturally. <laughs> I get so it. I have the same siphon, yeah. uh, which you recommended to me and mm -hmm. love it. Um, but so you are you putting the like the silicon bottom in there too, and that's All fine. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah, cool. Yep, no issues. Make the whole thing. Good to know. Right I I have been wanting to pick up one of those stainless steel auto siphons for a while. The siphon. Siphon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a siphon. Yeah. <laughs> There's like six S's on the front or something. <laughs> S key got stuck down. That's it's just sticky. <laughs> yeah. Highly, highly recommend though. Um, even if you're not doing anything sour, it's just so durable. Uh, you know, normal auto siphons. I, I think I went through like at least two or three regular auto siphons uh, of the you know the plastic variety, um, and in one little crack in those, and you just you lose your seal, and it just doesn't work anymore. You know. Yep. So working with stainless and uh, and the little rubber is. I'm still on my original, but it's 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 old. That's crazy. <laughs> that's that, that's like saying you're working with your too. your original uh, uh, hydrometer or something. Yeah, no, I've went through a shit ton of hydrometers. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, no. we'll just buy like the ten pack on Amazon. Now. Basically, <laughs> like you know, I, I guess Actually, there are drop it in the garage or some some shit. Oh, like dude, that. and then like, the beads get everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, it's off. Um, I guess there are there are plastic ones that uh, do a pretty good job that you know are are fall resistant, but. Hmm. I haven't picked one up yet. I'm going to one of these days. Next time I break one, I will. I have found though that at least with the hydrometers that I have, those uh, those little balls are magnetic. So I was able to just kind of take a magnet over the floor. Oh, that's good to know. And to yeah. clean them up, but cool. Yeah. So getting getting off topic, Brian. Just because I saw you had something posted that you were selling, um, that I believe somebody spoke for already along the lines of hydrometers how many of us have like an alternate method of measuring gravity but still use a hydrometer 
I mean, I have a refractometer. I use that for OG, but I like using my hydrometer for FG, basically. Okay. Interesting. It, it's still just super convenient. So, um, so hydrometers are always just going to be like the, the end all be all easiest way to, to measure something. I mean, you literally just floating something in some liquid and, and reading a line. Like there's, yep. there's, it's, there's no, it's not hard, right? No, there's no calibration. <laughs> Correct. There's no, it, yeah. it works whether your beer is uh, unfermented or whether it's, you know, post-fermented um, refractometers, you know, unfortunately once alcohol gets in there, um, they reflect it refracts light differently, um, you know, because of the alcohol. So it's not necessarily hundred percent accurate without a uh, calculation. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually know how those calculations work. I think like it might be based on like your brewing and, and your refractometer and there's like some calibration. Um, so you, you can get it accurate. Um, I know Art Conat made like a, a spreadsheet where he like did some crazy ass math and, and has like a, a really nice working refractometer calculation. Um, but still like it's, it's not quite as easy as, or as accurate as like a, uh, as a refractometer. And then, yeah, there's a digital refractometer, like Brandon was saying, um, tilt is basically just like a floating hydrometer that stays in there the entire time. Mm. Um, yep. Digital refractometer, again, like a normal refractometer, only good for um, the brew day, not necessarily post-fermentation. Um, Easy Dens is nice because it only requires a little bit of liquid, but you also sort of have to strain that liquid out uh, through like a coffee filter or something because you don't want it to have any CO2. Uh, in suspension, you don't want to have any little bits of debris in there that could possibly get stuck in the little glass piece inside the, the device. Um, so it's extra steps to do that. Um, it's nice in that you're not wasting, you know, 250, 350 milliliters of, of product in a, uh, a cylinder or something, but just it's extra work. So mm-hmm. even even owning a digital refractometer and an easy dens, I still use my hydrometer. I don't want to say quite often, but every brew day when I uh, take a measurement, um, I still use my hydrometer to start to get my OG. And then uh, I'll honestly use it on my beer to get an FG uh, reading as well, just because I usually don't feel like screwing with um, with the easy dens and you know coffee filters and stuff and i usually want to taste the beer too and uh and so getting a, a nice hefty hydrometer sample and yeah. uh and exactly then, you know, letting it all fall out gives me a nice idea of you know how the beer is going to taste i'm not just drinking little, little itty bitty sips i think yeah that's that's kind of why i brought it up because and you know mark mark said he's like keep spending money on other types but keep going back to the hydrometer like mm-hmm. it's it's tried and true mm-hmm. and you know there's just um i don't know if, i think brian over here hit it on the head like specifically with uh you know taking an og like you can pretty much take your og you know you know right right in the bucket or whatever you know mm-hmm. before you pitch your yeast and just kind of see you don't have to lose anything if you don't want to as long as your sanitation's good mm-hmm. uh but taking taking your fg like, yeah, I want to taste it. Like I, I want a good, you know, I want to, I want to have a good like amount in a glass so I can sit there and taste on it. If it's, if it's done, you know, 
So yeah, and I just I keep and we're way off topic here, uh, but uh, <laughs> as is the show. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, I'm you're almost, in my opinion, better off like yeah, like Drew said, buying a ten pack of hydrometers from somewhere and just being like, okay, you know, I can I can be I can be a little little more haphazard with these. Um, but it's, yeah. it's not by design, but I swear every time you get one sanitized and you set it up on a, a counter or something, that thing just finds a way to zip right off the counter before, you know, and you're in the middle of doing things and sure yeah. there's another one, you know. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's glass. I mean, that's the whole reason why I'm not a huge fan of glass carboys. Like mm-hmm. I own I own two of them. And. I am paranoid as fuck anytime I'm carrying those things around, even though I've got like carboy carriers that are wrapped and, you know, it's secure and shit's wrapped around my hands, but still like, you know, if I lose my footing real quick and knock it against the wall in my basement or something, you know, that shit could explode. I don't, I don't really like that, but probably, uh, Probably the you know chemists or scientists uh, uh, fans could tell us, but like, is there a scientific reason why or why a hydrometer is made out of like the thinnest freaking glass like possible? Like, because if you drop, you know, if I knock a pint glass over from three feet up, most of the time it doesn't break. What's the deal with that? Yeah, I, I think it. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, the thicker the glass, the more weight you're going to have to have to balance it out at the bottom, right? Yeah. Yep. And so I think to a point you're, you, and, and you want as, as little space on the bottom as you can, um, because you want your hydrometer to be able to float in as little liquid as possible, maybe. So maybe the goal is to make it, it it's, it's like a balance between precision and, you know, materials or something i don't know yeah i really don't know you could probably say that about a lot of lab equipment though and people probably make lab equipment with the intention of it being used by you know people that are you know uh, i'm also i'm kind of curious if they make them out of like borosilicate glass which is like what beaker is made out of yeah i don't know if you've ever dropped your beaker but that shit bounces yeah they're sturdy Um, you know but that's you know that's true that's true lab equipment that's what they make uh, beakers out of in in labs is you know it's it's tough tough glass uh but i don't know maybe there's maybe there's something uh to be said with the buoyancy of borosilicate and true yeah they just, I mean, they just can't I, do it I, I imagine if you can make it out of some sort of plastic then then you can make it out of you know borosilicate or something yeah, probably. I just make it out of stainless steel. Just make everything out of stainless steel. Like, <laughs> but he can't see. Oh, I guess you can clean just it. it on the outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, there we go. There's there's an idea for somebody if you want to make some money, develop a stainless steel hydrometer. You're making siphons out of it. Now. <laughs> like, like, come on. What is? Oh, I wanted to copy that, not not pull it up. No, I I I, ju- <laughs> I was trying to do that too uh triple scale oh i will say one thing about moving to the uh which you wouldn't even not necessarily pro equipment but just that's the plastic adding a sampling valve to your fermenter 
so that you don't have to get the wine thief out, pop the thing open and yes. try and get a reading. Like yeah, that, that's a game changer. Or like if you just want to taste it while it's doing its thing. Like so um I think that that's what makes kegging sour after a while kind of cool is that you so i keep mine under a little bit of pressure just to keep the lid on the keg sealed um but i just have a uh a tap directly connected to a, a liquid out a quick disconnect and i'll uh, connect one of those to a keg and just take a quick little draw mm-hmm. and pop it back out you know and i have those labeled as my as sour you know pieces too but um it's it's nice to take samples off of those for you know aging or or blending beers and stuff like that. Um, there was some guy on Reddit like last month that has um, this prototype of a uh, some sort of party tap. I wish I could find it. Um, that that had basically a similar idea, just something you can pop onto a keg and uh, get like foamless you know pours from, regardless of you know how carbonated it was. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't remember what the name, gosh, all right. If I find it, I'll post it on, on our Facebook later. Um, cause he's just some, some dude that's making them on his own. He doesn't have like a factory or anything like that. He's just prototyping stuff. But I know he has a website and a, and a Facebook page. I'll see if I can track it down. Yeah, do it. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, what was the topic again? We don't have Jason here to, to create our tickers <laughs> along the bottom of the screen. Um, well, so while we're on the topic of of you know having beer and blending and stuff like that, like let's let's talk about that, I guess, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much there is to say. That that too, you know, is is I guess an art form. Um, you you basically are brewing just a bunch of different base sours and sort of taking tasty notes and 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 deciding what beer could taste good with what other beer and and combining them by percentage or weight or something like that um it's i don't know what got me into deciding to want to do that a couple years ago um maybe it was just i i got bored of that book maybe yeah farmhouse sales (laughs) that's where i learned about that that and american sour beer um are are two excellent excellent books um 100 pick those up if you have any interest in making sour beer at all but um by blending and and people do this with other beers too not just sours like a side project does this with with a lot of their stouts maybe all their stouts but um by by blending two different beers, you're able to get a beer that you would never have been able to get otherwise. Um, That's it, true. You to take like, you know, say you have like an IPA and like stout and, and you combine them 50, 50, like it's a beer that you wouldn't probably never have been able to make like on its own. Like, um, Oh, I remember that from bells. It was drinkable. Ex- or not. Yeah. Oh, ex- yeah. What do they call that? X slam. Oh my God. Hop, I, hop I, did do that. I totally oh, forgot yeah. about that. That yeah. was good. That was 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 really good. Yeah. But that just proves your point. Like you're not, that's not a beer that you're going to be able to throw some shit together in a fermenter and then make, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a beer only cocktail. Essentially a black and tan, right? Yeah. True. Yeah. Black and eye. 
black eye. That's what it is. Yep. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you can take it one step further. And, uh, you know, we talked about adding hops into the fermenter at the end or, um, you know, or, or keg or whatever, but you can, it's kind of just like with, just like with meat or something, you can add pretty much whatever you want uh, to the beer at the end, if you think it makes sense and it's going to fit the flavor of, of your, your beer. Uh, so fruit is obviously a really, really big one. Um, I just poured that guy. Um, oh, that looks pretty. This is uh, my latest sour that came from um, the Claude Barrel, which is another barrel project that I'm a part of. It's just a 55-gallon barrel. Um, and I blended this with the very last bit of our um, red Brett, like Flanders-ish type beer. So I think it was maybe like half a gallon that I had left or something. And then uh, it's what I actually did. It's shirt, bro. It, is that really what it is? Was well, that the red one? That was what he had on tap at home. Yeah, I, I brought to, uh, yeah, the Michigan Homebrew Fest. And, it was good. But that it was, was the cart. Yeah, I mean, like almost heartburn level, I guess is. <laughs> see, and, and see, mine but never got that tart. Like mine, I came home with a super, mostly empty keg. That's cool. Yeah, we we had a lot of guys out there, uh, or people that that liked uh, liked our sour beer. We did good on that. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, you can add varied amounts of fruit. You can add varied amounts of spices. Um, vanilla hops uh, bourbon you know what What if you think it makes sense again it goes back to the sort of artistic part of it like just kind of go for it if you've seen the stuff that speciation puts out like every every beer they put out has some crazy ass thing in it like red wine barrel aged flanders red with fenugreek and cinnamon or something like that like you know <laughs> That's um, I will I will say just as as an off, you know, uh, yeah, as an off, um, I have not seen enough red wine barrel aged stouts, and most of them that I have had have been quite good. Red wine barrel aged stout. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if I've ever had one. I think I've had yeah. three. Uh, I think the first one I had. I think it was somewhere in Canada and then I've had two of them here in the States and they're it's just, I think it just mellows everything out. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's been a good fruitiness too. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. A little, yeah. little okay. bit of fruitiness. Yeah. Yep. Those are even harder to come by than, uh, than bourbon barrels. I think like, uh, yep. Excuse me. I think that St. Julian has something like a one and a half or two year wait list for a lot of their barrels right now. Um, Jesus, I think really? you, I think you, I think you can get on a wait list for their, their used barrels. Uh, I remember seeing it quite a few years ago when I was looking into it. They're, they're probably the 55 gallons though. Yeah. They oh. are usually, I think. Yeah. 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 You don't see many. Well, that, that's a thing too. You don't see many wineries making, small batch you know wines and 15 gallon barrels or something like that too. that's true to to our great sadness but that's not to say that we as home brewers cannot buy a 15 gallon barrel new 
freshly, mm-hmm. you know, cobbled or whatever. Um, I like where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. Make your own wine, fill it, age it, uh, and then use it afterwards. Um, I haven't made wine in a while. But I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe well, can there's... the next barrel project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I would argue barrels are kind of more fun, but there are, there is spirals and chips and things like yeah you know, yeah as an option if you're like you don't have the space to do something like that then that's a no, I, option i would i would agree there um you know being somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of space in their basement uh, i'd love love to have um you know a number of barrels in my basement but chances are if i'm if i'm putting anything on wood i'm probably doing honeycombs or sp- spirals or mm-hmm. or something like that but um on that aspect though brian yeah if you want to do a uh, red wine barrel or like a barrel aged red wine uh i'm in all right maybe i haven't I'm, done wine maybe. in a while but yeah i'll do some shopping tomorrow or something I, I've been looking at wine kits because uh, Shane has been talking about wanting to make wine for a while now. We we haven't done one in, I can't even remember. I think like maybe that blueberry wine, like from however long ago was, was the yep. last one we did. And that was, that was at least four or five years ago. So my, my last uh, wine was the one we brewed for our wedding. I think that was my only wine. I <laughs> just think how how much better you could do these days. Oh yeah, what you know yeah. now, you know compared to then. Oh for sure, for sure. That was that was not great wine. I'm I'm sorry, everyone who I, was I really watching. liked. It. I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything bad about it. I drank the crap out of it. Maybe that's yeah, why I don't remember it. That that could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, no. We st- we still have like six or seven bottles of it left. We've we've got enough to where we're opening one bottle every like five years until. I don't know, one of us dies or something like that. <laughs> but but yeah, I've I've been wanting to get back into doing some wines because that's like my, my wife is much more into wine than she is beer and cider and mm-hmm. meads. So um I could probably more easily get some time to do that if she's gonna be able to partake a bit more. I was just gonna say so, that she'd be totally into it too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I um, switched over. I had some Guinness left over from St. Pat's. So there you go. That's what I'm on now. I was going to talk about this for a half sec too. Yeah. Yeah, So it was a, it was the the half gallon of the rest of our uh, red project, uh, cloud barrel blonde. And then I put it on 10 pounds of raspberries for four weeks. But before I did that, I stabilized it with um, potassium sorbate and potassium metabisulfite. So I didn't let the raspberries re-ferment um, just to try to keep some of that, that sweetness and stuff. So the flavor that that's in here, it's not like, it's not fermented raspberry. It's more of like fresh raspberry. Um, it's, it's pretty nice. Curious. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's more sweet than maybe some people would like a sour beer. It's not super sweet. But um, it's definitely sweeter than. Do you get you get the, that those sour characters though, like a little bit of that bread, a little bit of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, okay. It's it, for being for being what it is. 
um, it's actually pretty clean. Like a lot of the complexity really only comes about um, like once you swallow and in, in like retronasal and stuff like that. Um, part of that might be because I like carbonate the shit out of it. So uh, when it, when it hits your tongue, you get all those like tiny exploding bubbles. Um, so it kind of sends off like all this like raspberry and, and tartness and stuff like that. And it makes it drink kind of clean, but then you, you burp and it sort of has this, um, nice sort of hay, uh, taste, you know, I guess followed by, you know, still more raspberry and little, little tartness. earthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How much, so curious since I'm still sitting on five gallons of a sour here, um, and presumably where I'm going to have another, you know, four or five gallons coming out of this. How much volume did 10 pounds of raspberries absorb? Uh, none. No, uh, in fact, it just, added. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think by the time I racked all this into a keg, I still probably could have racked another half gallon to a gallon off into something else. I didn't just because I, I, I don't, I don't want to say I'm lazy, but just I wasn't prepared for it. And at that point in time, I just had other things to do. Um, so I, I dumped what was left. But if anything, I think I added liquid. Okay. All right. Honestly. Well, I mean, there, there's always, there's always going to be some loss and, you know, additions. So one thing that you do have to account for, depending on the type of fruit that you use. So raspberries are really seedy, like small seeds. Um and when you are oh, good point. using those, you want to bag them somehow. So I have a huge, a oversized nylon bag that I use, again, specifically for my fruited beers, um, my fruited sours, um, that holds fruit. So I just, I put all the fruit inside this bag and then uh, rack the, the beer on top of the, the fruit, essentially. And then when I'm kegging it, I will rack from outside of that nylon bag. So all of the seeds and shit kind of stay in that bag and, and everything else. Um, all the liquid comes through. I do that for my meat a lot too, and it works really well. Um, you don't necessarily have to worry about that quite as much with um, non-small CD fruit, like currants and blueberries um, are totally fine. Um, but things like blackberries and raspberries, you probably want to use like a bag or something for um, you will clog everything. <laughs> All the things will, will get clogged. Um, yeah. So pro tip for using fruit right there. Use, I mean, use a bag for everything if you don't feel comfortable doing it, but for sure the small CD ones. I, I go, um, I go back and forth with anytime I do dry hopping in a beer of just tossing the shit in or using a bag. Um, and, and truth be told, I have, I've never done like a side-by-side -side experiment of like a blonde ale. I'm just brewing a blonde and then dry hopping one loose and then one in the bag to actually see if there's a difference really between the two. But I, like, I've always kind of thought or felt like doing, you know, just, throwing it in and then filtering like as you're pulling pulling the beer off is better um but i don't know 
I mean, it should should work. Uh, my thought. Yeah. Whether or not so, like you you said, so should be relatively the same. So hop, hops are going to have lots of small bits to them as they mm-hmm. dissolve mm-hmm. in the liquid. Um, so whether or not you dry hop inside of, of say like a sock, not like mm. a physical sock, like a hop sock, um, <laughs> you know, or, or a muslin bag or something like that, or mm-hmm. just toss it in free into the beer. Like I've always felt like free floating adds more to the beer. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Hmm. Um, the, the bags that I use, uh, they're, I mean, they're, they're as big as the fermenter. So it's not like they're, Oh, that's okay. So that's a good point. That's a good, yeah. Good. Th- like, good like it make. could line the entire fermenter. It's bigger than the fermenter. I stuffed the top of it, like in a little bit. Um, so it, so it's, it's just as free floating as it would be in the fermenter as if, if there wasn't a bag, it's just, uh, for when I, when I want to rack it out, I can then sort of like move the bag aside and rack from outside of it. Oh, so it's like pre-filtering kind of. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a, um, that's a good, good distinction. I think we've covered this once before on this show and the, what, almost <laughs> two years that we've done it. Um, but yeah. Awesome. That's good to know. No, no. I mean, Repetition is fine. <laughs> trying to drive. I will, I will say too, right. something something like hops. Hops will sort of clump and and fall to the bottom and turn into a kind of like a mush. And a lot of fruit mushes a little bit, but you still get annoyingly large pieces. It doesn't. It doesn't like turn into a slime quite as well fruit, as hops. Fruit do. will suspend. Yeah, and Brian, yeah. you'll you'll remember that my first lesson that was doing that that raisin cider years and years ago. I don't know if you were on the thread when I sent a picture of it, and like raisins were like suspended in solution through throughout the whole thing. It looked really eerie, with like little <laughs> yeast colonies on top of like this floating raisins inside this. Like they weren't like yeah, they were suspended. It was kind of weird, but. That's the best of all yeast nutrients, right? Raisins. Yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah, 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 that's yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't do it. Don't believe it. Um, <laughs> don't write that down, kids at home. <laughs> I, I like what Mark brought up. He said, uh, with fruit, I'm not afraid of squeezing the bag. Well with hops, I never do and really use a bag for the same reason. And I'm totally with you. And and I want to talk about squeezing uh fruit too. Um because I think that there's um there's there's good reason on on both sides of the um i don't i don't want to say argument but on both sides of the squeeze or don't squeeze fruit or press fruit um argument so um and this mostly comes from my mead making experience not necessarily like sour experience but um when you tend to press fruit in a mead um you tend to extract more tannins at the end. Um, like a lot of the, the extra like fruit pulp sort of stuff that um, might end up making it into your, your beverage a little bit more, which could be good or a bad thing, depending on what it needs in order to like balance. Um, like if you have like a, a fruit mead, and I know we're getting off topic of sours here, but if you have like a, a fruit mead, 
that you've tasted and it's like really tart and kind of one dimensional and you're like, blah, like I, I probably need to add some like grape tannin or wood to this or something like before you're done fully racking it, like totally squeeze that down a little bit more and get some of that extra, um, you know, thickness, uh, out of that fruit. Um, it might actually end up adding more roundness and character to the mead. And I'm assuming that might happen with beer too. I uh, have never done it with my sour beer, but now I'm really curious because I feel like when I'm drinking this right now, um, and and I've gotten feedback on a lot of my fruited sours that there is a lot of one dimensionality to it. Um, and not that I mind it all the time, like this, this straight up tastes like raspberry sour beer. Like I, there's not there's not a lot to be said for it except that it tastes really good, but it's not complex. Um, maybe getting some of like the, um, you know, complex, like CD characteristics from the raspberry, um, would be really interesting for this, just like fermenting with like cherry pits in a cherry, um, a cherry beer can sometimes add tannins and complexity to that sort of beer. Um, so I, I really like that recommendation um, on pressing fruits. I, I say do it to taste, um, but totally don't be afraid of it um, because there's probably some complexity that can be added from doing it. But, you know, depending on what you're making, again, like, you know, with a meat or something like that, <clears throat> you don't potentially want it to be too tannic because then you have to go back and balance it out with, you know, more sweetness or acid or something. So, um, no, I, I really like that. That's cool. I, I've never really even thought about that for, um, for sour beer before. Cherry There's just, again, poisonous. kids at home. No, they're not, not in, not in small quantities. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. And add a lot of character to beer. It's what, what does it have? Is it a, it's a cyanide? No, it's cyanide. Yeah. 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 Wait, what? Yeah. yeah cherry cherry pits, pits have cyanide. cyanide in them. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you need a lot of them to his point. You need a lot of them to do any real damage, but <laughs> Just yeah. like, oh, what the fuck was it? Like, this is, uh, you know, getting way off topic, but what, I think it's, I think it's marigold seeds have like lysergic acid in it, like LSD or LSA. Ooh. I'm going to text <laughs> Shana. She's ordering plants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go, go raid the garden center. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like, it's like poppy seeds having opium in it. You, like you need a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that there's a good myth busters about that one where they're eating all kinds of. Yeah. What was it? You'd, you'd need to eat like a bowl, like a whole bowl of it, like three or yeah. four cups of poppy seeds for it to actually turn up on them. Like a drug screen or whatever. Yeah. Huh. So that's that's not a good cover, like just so everyone knows. Oh yeah, I had a poppy seed muffin for breakfast. <laughs> Welcome to Michigan Brews Drug Edition. Yeah, that's <laughs> we, we well, should have McClellan on and do tips. a brewing with a, a brewing with you know marijuana episode because he's done it with two with you know with with great success. Who's this? There you go. Matt. Oh yes, yeah. No, that was that was a great beer. 
I should be saying this. I don't know. It's, it's illegal in Michigan, so that's fine. Um, yeah, but it, it was really good. We had some out le- of weed's legal. Is is it legal to combine the two? On a homebrew is- level, yes. Cool. All right. Yeah, must do not, a not, not on a yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not commercially. Yeah, homebrew you can do whatever you want, pretty much. Um, that was good. I remember that. At, uh, yeah, when when we tried that, that was good. Good shit. Yeah. yeah. I might still have that's what scares me is that I have a lot of unlabeled beer in my basement. And I know one of these days, like I'm going to crack open beers and one of those is going to be like, like a MJ IPA is what he called it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I don't know you, I think if, before you do an episode, see what, what Facebook's deal is on that, because really I have a feeling, you know, I don't know. I don't know because they're a, they're a national company, right? Or a worldwide okay. company. But, okay. So I don't know. I don't know how. That no, that, that is, that's a really that's good a, point. A fair I, point. Yeah. I, I've seen YouTube take down content for probably, uh, that's kind of less what I mean. crappy things. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. But, okay. But then again, YouTube will allow reviews on like weed vapes. Fair. <laughs> At least I thought they did, but they the have, equipment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's the whole thing, right? Because like, the vape pen is probably legal because you could put, you know, I don't well, know, nicotine beer is legal, so that's our vessel. Yeah, <laughs> our argument made. I don't know how that works. YouTube, come after me. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. I don't know how that yeah. works. I'm out of uh, I'm out of sour beer. I drank that too fast. It was too good. Do I do a a consecrator doppelbach or a mystery beer Ooh. oh I'm, I'm gonna vote mystery beer every time mm-hmm. although consecrator is good shit yeah i haven't had one of those in a while that's the that's like the fat tuesday beer right when uh yeah yeah when i'm when i'm in need of a keezer space i typically bottle off like a, a six pack of my lowest beer can you guys still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah we no, got you. Uh, of my uh, of my lowest beer, and then uh, dump the rest of the keg. As long as it's not too low, I'm not going to dump like a half a keg of like a New England IPA or something. I can't find my pot. All right, I got a question. Back to sour beers. Yeah, let's go. Um, if I take my five gallons out of the barrel, I've never made a dry hop sour. So, what is your recommendations? I wish Bill Blakesley was on because he's done more dry hop sours than anybody else I know. And I have not done a single one. Okay. Um, have you, Jordan? Uh, no, I've dry hopped a Philly, but that doesn't really count. Okay. Are you, are you thinking like quantities, Drew? Like how, how many, hop, like how much you should use as far as like, you know, hops, like ounces or? Yeah, and um, I guess I'd be curious, like, what what's the experience? Like, should I be transferring from the barrel to, like, a secondary vessel before the keg because it, it's going to be a big mess in the keg, or should I dry hop in the keg? And I, I guess that goes back to quantities. How much do I need to use to get the right, you know? I'm, I've never been a fan of keg hopping, and I know that there are a ton of people that are. Um, that's only because I 
don't feel like messing with it. It probably mm -hmm. spawns more out of like laziness for me. Um, but I think if you were to like throw two ounces of like a cascade or something like that, or citra into a hot bag and throw that into a keg and then rack on top of that, um, I think that'd be delicious and it'd probably work out fine. Um, I also think that you could probably do the same thing in your secondary fermenter and then cold crash it and then just rack into the keg. The only thing that I worry about is sour beer gets drank way more slowly at my house than other beer does. So I'd worry with kegs or with a uh, hops in the with kegs in the hops, um, with hops in the keg that that it might develop far more of like a grassiness than it would in, in something like a like an IPA that might be gone after you know three weeks or something. Okay, um, so your your issue is there's not really hopping in the keg; it's just longevity on the hops. I think so, and especially if you're like, man, I'm really sick of this beer, or I need keg space, and you're like. You know, this, this beer is fine. Like I can, and, and I do this with my sours too. I will take them off tap, set them aside and come back to them in six months, put them back on tap again. Um, if I'm doing that with hops in the keg, then you're literally sitting with sour beer in your keg on hops for half a year. You know, it's like, what's that going to do to it? So if you can, if you can plan and you know that you're going to drink it all or, bottle it all off before too long i'd say fine go for it but i think that maybe the the optimal approach would be to hop in the fermenter and then keg okay i, I would agree with that yeah i i usually hop directly in in primary if i'm dry hopping <clears throat> but um, if i wanted to dry same, hop in a yeah. keg um yeah, it's not the hops aren't going to stay in there. I mean, unless it's something I'm just absolutely smashing uh, after, you know, probably a, a week or two at max, I'm probably going to pull that stuff out. Um, mm -hmm. Meaning it's either I'm either going to have one of those specialty lids that has a little hook on it, whatever, where I can pull all that stuff out. Yeah, yeah those are cool. I, um, I feel like I saw something the other day where a guy had. Um, ran a string out through the lid or something. Even. I've I've done that twice um, and didn't work very well. Uh, I ended up getting CO2 leaks. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I gotcha. like I caked that shit with, you know, keg sealer and when I couldn't couldn't get it worked out. That's just me. I've heard, I've, I've read people have had success with that and it seals perfectly fine and they're good. So don't take my experience as like the end all. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's honestly what really pushed me to just try, maybe. you know, dry hopping directly in the primary fermenter. Maybe you got to run the string on the inside of the gasket instead of the outside. So the gasket still gets a good, seal or something i don't know that 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 could be that seems like a lot of hassle though taking the I've never done it off either. and then like yeah. <laughs> you know and I, like i did i did i did a lot of research on this when i was trying to it was like okay well you want to tie it off with floss and make sure to use the flat floss that's unflavored like obviously you don't want mint in your beer uh, you know, and I, I did all that and it's still just I, I couldn't get a good seal maybe my gaskets were you know bad but the keg sealed after I pulled all that shit off. 
So hmm. uh, just just couldn't have. I mean, that's part that's part of the journey of brewing. You know, you, like you're going to run into shit that is just like this is how my system works for some yep, reason. Totally. Um, yep. You know, and you're you're going to have different experiences from you know from the you, well you may have different experiences from the majority of people you know like like that like i've heard i've read a lot of people having success with you know dry hopping in the keg using floss and just running that string out through the top of the fermenter and the gasket seals fine didn't happen well for me had two beers where i was having leaks thankfully it wasn't anything catastrophic because i was watching it um but you know i've had a, i've had a few instances like that where there's just things haven't worked out quite as well as uh you know people have said they they would so yep. and just experiment with it and if it's not working for you try something different i mean the um, oh i was just okay. gonna say the the lids with the hooks is kind of an industry standard too yep like i mean bright tanks have very similar contraptions so that's kind of the tried and true method really yep that i'll be honest the only reason i decided i wasn't going to do that is because i think at the time the lids were like 35 dollars or Oof. something like well, that yeah i'm or yeah. 30 bucks and i was just like i'm not gonna spring that much for the lid and i think now they've gotten down to like Fifteen twenty dollars. Oh. Um, at least this, from what I've maybe I, I thought I saw something on like homebrew finds recently. There was like oh it was like eighteen bucks for a lid. And I'm like I might pick up one or two of them just so I can have them as you know dry hopping lids. Mm -hmm. um, but but at the same time, like I feel like I get decent results just dry hopping directly in the fermenter. So yeah why spend the money outside of just, you know, maybe one lid would just kind of be like, Oh, well, I can experiment and maybe do a back to back, but I'm not brewing that much right now. So trying to get back into it slowly. Oh, I'm not, 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 not off topic. Maybe. Oh, Brandon was drinking a consecrator. Good choice, Brandon. Maybe, maybe I should have, um, but no, I, the, my, my advice goes for other things too, besides hops, you know, vanilla or spices or stuff like that too. I feel like it's just easier to deal with it when it's in the fermenter than it is in the keg. I mean, that's sort mm -hmm. of the, the end of it. I don't know if I'd ever toss vanilla in the keg just because the insides of those beans have so much Oh, I never even thought about that. Weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. So and not only that, but there's oils and yeah. that stuff. Okay. So you don't want that like draining down and then leaving that, you know, potentially potentially leaving a residue on the outside. You should be cleaning your kegs, but still, you know, you could leave a little bit there and then your uh your next beer might have a little bit of vanilla. Yep. Drew, well, I don't I know why I never thought about this. Uh, I, I see you pouring beer out of your uh, your, um, your howler there. I I never thought about for some reason. It, it's been years 
how long we've done the show now 71 episodes and i've never thought about packing my beer up in, in like a, one of my hollers just to bring up like to the show to drink we're like we're like two months away <laughs> in two years yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> i don't know why i never thought about that i oh. my mind is like blown right now i, bring I gotta it to go the, down like, two of stairs but... to get more beer so <laughs> i'm, do you do I'm that surprised even on normal oh, nights not usually because I need to get out of my chair and, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm here to talk beer. So I'm, I'm trying to maximize that effort. <laughs> what, what were you going to say before I, I interrupted you with my, my. No, I was just. Musings. Was... Me? Yeah, someone. I don't know. I'm, I'm like on my fourth beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I just, I just finished up. I'm about to go fill up again, but okay. I was just going to say, I'm surprised that we don't have like, taps ran to our fucking desks at this yeah. point like just I, run over and be like i'll just pull some off right here and it'd be too easy to drink while working i need, I need some <laughs> to turn. you work from home i think Who's what i was gonna know yeah i was gonna say something um <laughs> so i guess one downside to putting stuff directly in the keg is you're kind of handcuffing yourself a little bit when you're adding these like flavor based additions because there's two things you can control right one's quantity and one is time and you're getting rid of time if you toss it in the keg assuming you have no way to get it out of there to, to your point earlier mm -hmm. so like vanilla beans you know most of the time i like this beer here you know i'm only doing this is my coffee vanilla milk stout here but oh, i'm only doing like maybe like four to five days on the beans and there's no way i would kill a keg of this in four to five days you know? sure yeah so. yep yep 100 did you get more hydromel or are you drinking water <laughs> no this is cider man oh oh <laughs> i was just very, thinking that too pretty. as i pulled it out i'm like yeah like it's it's got that's pretty clear. This, yeah. But I had, I had, uh, I've got two ciders on tap right now, both pretty much straight fermented with two different types of yeast, and just kind of going in between the two and and getting a feel for how they really came out. Um, specifically, since they've been sitting in the kegs for a couple months now. And it's weird. Like when I first, I've got one that was the one on right now that was using uh, just, it was called cider yeast. Um, was that like a White Labs? Or... Saf cider, I think is what it oh, was. Oh, Saf cider. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Who uses this here? Yeah. Um, and then this one's using 1118. And usually, so usually I go with 71B for my ciders and I couldn't really find it this year. Uh, at least the time that I was, uh, you know, we were picking up cider. Um, I'm going to be stocking up on it this year. Uh, so I'm sorry if people can't find much of it. Um, <laughs> I keep stock on hand too. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I like that. I like that yeast. Yep. Uh, but like usually like those wine yeast or those champagne yeasts is what I prefer. But now that I'm like, like I just had the saf cider and that was, that was pretty good. Um, 
maybe a little a touch on the acidic side, but the nose was great. It just tasted like you cut into a fresh apple. Um, hmm. And this one, the the eleven eighteen, definitely a little more. Uh, like I don't know, it's like it's it's kind of like fresh apple, but. I'm almost getting a touch of sulfur on it, which I, I don't feel like I got beforehand. So I don't know if that's like, I usually felt like sulfur drove off as time went on, mm. but I don't know. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. And I'm just, it's just trace amounts, but here we go. I didn't realize you hadn't tasted it yet. Nope. No sulfur on the flavor. But you're not coughing. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very clean. <laughs> cool. Like, like, wow. It's almost just like a hint of apple. Hmm. I don't know. I wanna I wanna submit one of these to to uh Glint Cap just to just to see what what happens with them. Just to get some, you're not like, gonna get yeah, you're not going to get any better cider feedback than from Glint Cap. Well, exactly, so, and that's uh, what I want. I want totally. the good feedback. I'm not expecting metals or anything like that. It's just I want that feedback. So maybe I'll send both of them uh, and and see what happens. But it, it's wild, and I know we've talked about this before, Brian. You know, uh, at the risk of duplicating things, but. It's wild how different these two things turned out, even though they're really the only difference is the yeast. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's hard to quantify, you know, uh, an amount, you know, or a percentage of flavor that the yeast contributes to, you know, any particular beverage or anything. But it's pretty fucking huge. Like it's pretty, it's pretty big. You know. Yeah, like, yeah, it really is. Whether whether it be end flavor or off flavor or you know. Uh, whatever random end characteristics or something like that like you you brew the same wort with you know hefeweizen yeast versus like a you know clean american yeast or something and you're going to get two completely different beers despite changing just one ingredient um so yeah it's i think i think we probably should do a yeast episode someday i don't know how we would do it I, I, that would take some ideation or something, but I feel uh, like we'd have to like almost go specific to style. We, we'd, we'd probably want to do an experiment first and have a, a show on the experiment. Um, that's a good, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we can think on that for, for some point in the future, but yeah, it's, it's super Belgians crazy. would be a great thing to look at for that one. I do love yeah. Belgians. <clears throat> I mean, I, uh, there's so much cheese character in the in Belgians, and you can go both sides of the spectrum too. Like Lutra, you know, the complete absence of yeast character. The point where it's like, mm -hmm. what the fuck am I drinking? Like this is it's not, it's too clean for me. A lot of a lot of beers I've had with Lutra, like they're just they're they're lacking drinkability because there's no. There's no character sometimes, you know. It just and it now, now I want to brew a cider with Lutra. I wonder. I totally wonder. Like, yeah. I well, kinda, absolutely. 
Yeah. I guess that's that's why they use it for hard seltzer a lot, right? Totally. I mean, yep. yep. Well, exactly, because it's so clean. But like you know, eleven eleven eighteen, from uh, my knowledge, is supposed to be quite quite a clean white wine yeast as well to help mm -hmm. bring out the the flavor of those grapes. Um, but I'm curious now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I enjoy brewing ciders. That's why I usually get like. 15 to 25 gallons whenever we start getting fresh press yep. um, it's just it's really fun to experiment because you you know for certain like you buy it all at once you know for certain you're getting the same product like throughout you know if you're getting four or five you know three four batches we'll say you know 15 20 gallons and you you pitch different yeasts in each one it's just very interesting to see the way that the yeasts perform. Um, do you have any one gallon fermenters? I I do. I've got I've, I've got a couple a of them. I don't, I don't have, have as many as I wanted. I bet I have four or five of them. Maybe. Maybe we can uh, pull together fermenters and do a, a cider experiment in the fall or something. That would be that would be wonderful. I'd love to. Uh, you could do a dial whole it in a little bit. Yeast is crazy because you could do a whole thing on one yeast strain at, you know, four different temperatures. Oh, yeah, yeah. And get wild too. flavors, too. Yep. You could even take that, and you could take that optimal temperature and then space it across four different styles mm -hmm. and be like, okay, well, it's going to, you know, it's going to be better in this or take that optimal temperature and be like, okay, we're going to do a beer, we're going to do a cider, we're going to do a seltzer, and we're going to do a cider, you know? Like, yeah, you, you got like probably like six shows. <laughs> if you really want to. <laughs> Welcome to the new op show. This is Michigan Yeasts. No, yeah, no we, 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 we've been off topic on sour, on sours for you know fifteen minutes now, but I think I think that's expected at the end of a lot of our shows. So that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Did did anybody else have anything they want to cover on sours before we either continue being off topic or or whatever we, we end up doing? And that, I, that I do includes have... people from chat too. That's true. Oh, <laughs> Siri Siri says my my topic on Sawyer and Sour is for my oh I set an alarm apparently for nine twenty four p.m. somehow so okay sweet oh all right um I do have a question for you guys for you two and this is just personal um mm -hmm. do you do you prefer like single culture sours or mixed? And then where, in, where do you think Philly fits into all that? Mm. I'll, I'll let you go, Drew. Oh, I, I, I was going to say you could always talk about Philly because that's if somebody wants to try a sour but not potentially infect their equipment, like sure. that, that's a great option to play around with. Um, <clears throat> but uh geez i don't know I, you know i'm i'm pretty partial to brett i guess like if i'm gonna go sour i'm gonna go hard horse blanket sour <laughs> you know like <laughs> well so so brett doesn't produce you know acid so you you want that just to balance out like the yeah. acid or something yeah i mean lacto and brett i guess like, yeah yeah okay yeah. i i i'm i'm torn you know, I think each has their merit. Um, I'm glad that 
you know, quote unquote, the new straight sour is, is what the, you know, the category is, is called now in the 2021 BJCP guidelines. But I'm, I'm glad that like clean lactic acid sours are a thing as a base beer for like fruited beers because. Um, is that where Philly sits? Uh, probably. Okay. I bet it would. Yeah, I bet it would. Um, because because it allows sour beer to be available as a base for experimentation. Um, you know, you have people making sour beer with like fruit and chocolate and vanilla uh, to replicate like a Tootsie Roll pop or something like wax wings. Um, or you, you know, just have, you know, uh, like the one I had last week, the the caramel apple pie sour. Right. You know, pe- people can put together these beers in like two or three weeks. And if it sucks, then, I mean, it sucks. It's fine. You didn't waste a year making this beer, you know, sour and complex, uh, only to add your spices and fruit and whatever and, and fuck the thing up. Um, so there's there's merit to that style of beer for sure. But there's also like this really nice, you know, sippable complexity to mixed uh, mixed cultures that um, it's just so interesting, right? Like every time you open a bottle, you're like, I've never had this before because it's always different. Like mm. every batch of, you know, the same beer year after year could be totally different. Um, and it's fun. And you know that the people that brewed it had fun too, because they didn't know really what was going to come out of it. And, um, and I think that's really fun. It's a fun aspect of brewing it too, because you, you come back to a beer like a year later, you're like, all right, what do we got? What are we going to do? <laughs> and you know, it's if it's like really bag. awesome. Yeah, you totally like it, it's say it's like really tart. Um, and and maybe like a little bready or something like that you're like oh you know sweet like i have this like really basic beer that didn't actually get as tart as i wanted it um that i can blend this with now or something you know no it goes back to blending again um so but, what i'm what i'm hearing is that it's it's kind of dependent on like what your mood is whether or not totally, you want totally. like a specific flavor yeah. or if you or if you're chasing that that uh novelty if you're feeling like like doing some fist uh, fist pumping, you know, grab yourself like a fruited sour and hell yeah, you know, yeah, beer bong it and you know, do whatever. And, no, well, people who like don't like beer or haven't been that, that's a great point, beer, Drew. Yeah, um, lambics like fruited lambics are will blow their mind in, in my experience like i've old style as well i can think of like probably four or five different people um i know that like are not beer drinkers but you give them like you know lindemans mm-hmm. cherry oh, lambic fre- raspberry or yeah, yeah just like and so that, that beer is it's really really sweet too like yeah. don't mm-hmm. and so the, again a lot of those fruited sours are too um, but they're also really low ABV. I think those are like two, two and a half percent. Yep. Um, so it's it's basically like drinking, you know, juice. Beer. <laughs> yeah, beer. I know. But, but yeah. it's beer. It's totally the base beer. Is a wild and, and it's delicious. Though. It's fucking delicious. Yeah. You know, so well, it's, 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 it'd be hard pressed to replicate it. 
Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like those, this is like specifically those things. Like I, I believe it's Lindemann's um, and from Bonnell or other variants. They're they're produced in a very specific valley in Belgium mm-hmm. that is protected because they use like open cool ship fermenting uh and like their the yeast is just naturally occurring there mm-hmm. and that's that's how that's how it happened like they don't they don't inoculate or uh, from 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 my reading if somebody else has been there i wanted to go to belgium when i was in the netherlands but we didn't get a chance to go down but yeah i mean the whole process of those like ancient belgians um I don't know. Fascinating to me, although they are like yeah. super low ABV. We we didn't even get into you know wild, you know, spontaneous fermentation and shit like that. We oh, probably could have whole episode, yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. And, and a lot of shit I don't know about. I've never done it before, um, but Drew sort of has. And maybe since this is sort of related to the topic, do you want to tell us about your uh, oh, Quetico? Yes. Uh, trip and your yeast harvesting and stuff sure yeah um so i uh you know of course you can harvest yeast out of uh your local fruit orchard or whatever um but uh i had um bought a kit off of bootleg biology to kind of do like the yeast wrangling thing um but because uh, we we were taking a trip up to like the Boundary Waters, so just north of Minnesota on the Ontario side, there's a park called Quetico, and it's basically just a string of lakes. Uh, you kind of portage between them, um, very very remote. Um, I mean, you can like literally like drink water right out of the lakes. Like yeah. it's it's very untouched in that in that regard. Um, I was like, oh, like, you know, maybe I'll, um, I got some, uh, Q-tips that were like sealable, uh, for like taking like, like DNA samples from like a, you know, <laughs> a murder scene or something <laughs> like <laughs> readily available on, on, on Amazon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm probably on a list now. Cause I'm yeah. like, you know, but, um, no, like I, I was looking for something lightweight and I'm like, this is interesting so um and i wrote a blog about this for uh, on the keepers uh page but um basically each lake that we were in that we were canoeing in um i would we would kind of try and look for you know we'd stop for a lunch spot or something um and we'd be looking around for like wildflowers or um molly uh my wife is like amazing at finding like wild fruit and stuff like because we have a lot of fruit on our property and she's always out there picking things but um so anyway we found you know things like wild blueberries and uh wild strawberry plants um lots of different flowers so um i would just kind of take pictures of things and then i i take a little swab and seal it off and then uh packed it in my backpack um and made a note of kind of roughly where I was um, on the lake that we were on and that kind of thing. Um, but the idea behind it was basically that, like, guaranteed nobody's ever harvested yeast out there um, to try and start, 
you know, some kind of beer yeast or something. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and it ended up, I, I, I took it home. I made up uh, little vials, uh, with a very like neutral, low gravity were in them. Um, and kind of saw what they did. Um, obviously I don't have lots of awesome equipment to isolate and things like, like you properly would do if you were, um, a yeast lab, but, um, uh, you know, some of them look like war crimes when they were done, they were like, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, whatever, uh, a couple of them look fairly normal, kind of pellicle um, you know, just kind of the white, uh, bubble film on top. Um, I ended up stepping those up and just seeing what they did. Um, but then by the end of it, honestly, like I, I was like, man, you know, the, the smell and stuff is mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. feeling the vibe. Like, yep, um, totally. I was like, well, if I wanted to make a Cheeto beer, like, I guess I could. But... <laughs> Did you have one that, that smelled like Cheetos? Kind of, yeah. Really? Dude, that, that has a, there's a market there, man. Yeah, there's totally like... potential there. <laughs> the, whole, uh, the whole gamer it's... market. I got to go back to Quetico to get it again, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I missed it. I had to uh, head to the bathroom and you know, get, get some more. got Hydromel this time. Also very, very in, clear. In your bathroom? Yeah. I got taps in my bathroom. That's, I mean, <laughs> I was wondering how you just pissed in glass, glass yeah. for a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, my keg writer is like on my way to my office. So it was just like, head to the bathroom, set the glass on the keg writer, come back down, just take a pull. Uh, anyways, Drew, a question for you. So when you, um, now we probably discussed this when you did it earlier, uh, you, you, you took your swabs and then you just inoculated your little, um, vials, right? Mm-hmm. You, okay. So should you, should you go back? I'd love to work. I'd love to work with you on this. If you, if you end up going up there again, uh, yeah. I think we should get auger plates. Mm-hmm. So that way we can isolate specific colonies of different types of bacteria, maybe get 12 24 different plates um you have a background in doing this don't you jordan yes yeah well yeah i I mean that's that's that's, so auger auger plates are like they're they're petri dishes um so you fill those with like a gelatin uh nutrient solution um based off of the type of microbe that you want to isolate and essentially what Mm -hmm. you do is you you do this like zigzag type swab across them to try to create specific isolated colonies of microbes. So different microbes will grow in different uh, formations and yeah. colors, so so on and so forth, that you hmm. can then identify them by. Um, yeah. So by doing so, uh, so what what you did was essentially a mixed culture and just allowed whatever was the strongest to take over. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's not something worthwhile culturing that's up in Quetico because I I I'm I fully believe True. that there probably is something that could create something that's probably palatable up there. Um, but if we did like yeah like an auger plate you know, did a, did a few of those and incubated them and allowed them to actually grow. Then we could actually isolate specific colonies and then test single 
colony solutions on their fermentation capabilities. That's that's how you're going to isolate like a specific yeast type. Yeah, I would I would love to do that. Um, that's so cool. That's I'm sure idea the way about. I went about <laughs> culturing up and all that, I was kind of winging things. Um, but no, no, and the I, fun like, part like, for me was harvesting, probably anyway. So it sounds like you and I could get together and have some fun with it. Let's do it. I, I, let's 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 get a Quetico yeast going. You never know. It could be like the next Philly sour yeast. Like, well, that's uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody's I mean, ever. I mean, I doubt anybody's ever harvested yeast out there because it's the middle of freaking nowhere. It, yeah, it, it, well, exactly. And it, since it's so isolated, it means that it's probably rich and it's microbiome. So we, we'd probably have a number of different um, isolations that we could that we could test. But my my alarm, the, his alarm, my nine twenty four alarm is going off. We made blueberry pancakes with the wild blueberries and they were amazing. So uh, mm. I can confirm that much. You know, honestly, it probably worth what did you, you cultured from the wild blueberries? Yeah. Okay. From like, yep. On the outside of them kind of swabbed them around. Interesting. You know, I kind of wonder just going off of it, if it would be best to step up the cultures the way that you did it and then auger played them. Mm -hmm. I think it is. Um, and well, I got I, that part of it from bootleg biology, I think like one of their blogs and then, um, but I, I didn't go the full auger plate like you're <laughs> describing. No. Yeah. Yep. That probably the way to do it. So that way you can isolate and, and test specific, cultures because like what will happen is that they'll grow in like these nice little discs on on the auger plate if, as long as you do your streaks right um and you do your sanitation sanitation again in this type of thing just like in brewing it's huge um but man yeah you're you're getting my like collegiate like <laughs> oh, i did this shit in college <laughs> like this is exciting like you know let's you go back, take more cultures. We'll, we'll do it. I'll, I'll help you out. Yeah, you're not going to be hauling the lab equipment out there. But <laughs> thing, like, no, I mean you're packing yeah. everything out on your back. So <laughs> I mean, a fire a could probably light. work as an autoclave, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, the milk the funk podcast uh, episode five uh, mm -hmm. is about bio prospecting. Um. And it's uh it's well worth listening to. It would probably be uh, right up the alley of this discussion. Yep. And for for anybody who's who's listening and curious, yeast is probably the most abundant organism on the planet. One of. Um. So it's it's everywhere. I mean, it's on your bushes outside your house. Uh, it's on my mustache right now. Yep. <laughs> yep it is yeah 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 no no that's i just gotta get you guys to come with me and you can help me haul crap around that's the real answer dude no. i i no. like like i said my wife and i we want to go we want to go then we had a kid uh doesn't mean we don't want to go we just right. no we gotta, yeah, get we gotta get it planned out properly and uh yeah yeah i go out there with you yeah i'll take some, i'll take some swabs we'll get 
swab it up. We'll get yeah, we'll get some shit <laughs> brought back. Well, we got anything else we want to cover tonight? I mean, outside of a lot of it. Yeah, the uh, like six different shows that we discussed that we need to. Oh, uh, yeah, we got yeah. some ideas. Yeah, we got we got a, we got a ton of ideas. Now we'll bring it back to Jason if he uh, doesn't listen to the the episode. We'll see. I, do you, Jordan? Do you end up listening to these episodes later on? Like, I've listened you, to a subscri- couple of them. Do you subscribe to our podcast? I do. Okay, all right. I do subscribe. <laughs> um, for for those listening um, that aren't subscribed to our podcast, uh, please check it out. Uh, leave a leave a, a review for us. It'll help us get uh, pop up higher, I guess, on the lists. Um, and feel free to leave a review. You know, if you think we're we're shit, that's fine. We're gonna we're gonna put on the show anyway and be really shitty for you. So, but can, uh, if you can, love us, can the users review specific episodes? I don't know. I don't think so. But okay. call out specific episodes. I would I would love to know what really annoyed you. Um, can I get the podcast on my Jitterbug? Or uh, yeah, I think Jitterbug. It's called the uh, uh, the Pudding Cast app or something like that. Or tapioca <laughs> Tapioca Cast. I think something like that. Yeah. Uh... Flip phones are making a comeback. I read that the other day. Like they're they're, well, they're all gonna up. fail. OLED <laughs> screens that fold in half are dumb. I, this is gonna age really well, but <laughs> I think it's. Well, we'll see. No, we'll I see. think you're. I think you're right. I think the folding is a problem. Bending isn't an issue. No, I'm talking like straight up, like you know, Motorola Razor, like like an like even like pre touchscreen is like making a comeback because like the nineties fashion is in again. They're dumb. Wait. So I've got a bunch of cell phones I'm sitting on that I could probably sell for some money now. Probably. You should totally look into <laughs> pull out your pull out your Jinko jeans. <laughs> yeah. You can sell that stuff, dude. It's like the kids are into it. I'm telling Re- you. Retire retire off my razor, Jinkos, and Pokemon cards. That's... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Way off topic. No, <laughs> no. So the ne- the the next couple episodes, uh, we still have Siren of Stout coming on. We're trying to uh, to get her on. We still have Puck Cider at some point in time. Glint Cap's coming up soon. Uh, so you know, we we definitely want to have another cider episode. Um, I reach out to Ken Trim again. Um, I I sort of blew my my chance over the winter. He is super busy right now. Um, and he he totally gave us the opportunity to come out there and talk to him uh, while while he works. And I'm like, dude, like you should concentrate on your work while you're working. Like I don't need to be out there bugging you and asking you questions and stuff like that. So um, it was it was very gracious <laughs> offer of him. That I'm not going to take him up on because that's like that's too much. Um, so their their farm is busy right now. Oh, what's going on? I was just going to say, but maybe, you know, I don't know if uh, since it's, you know, it's Ken Schramm, maybe we could do a show about their operation and whatnot that they have going on. You know, something that because we've been talking about doing these offline shows a few times. Maybe that's something that we showcase. I don't know. I mean, we can I would guarantee you if I reached out to Schramm's in general, we could get, um, you know, one of their employees on maybe like one of his daughters or something like that. So. Um, 
that could be something we can definitely look into. Um, you know, if that's something that interests you guys, let us know. I definitely want to do that. Um, we got uh, NHC coming up in quite a few months that we'll be we'll be talking about. We're going to be out at uh, Big Brew Day over on the east side of Michigan um making some beer at some point in time so we, we got a bunch of things coming up um appreciate what you guys what, what date is us. big brew day it's the so the official um aha big brew day is may 7th but the um the <laughs> the named event that is sort of not actually associated with the big brew day event that um, we're talking about i think I want to say the 21st or the 28th. I got to look that up. It's it's near the end of May. So uh, we'll be out there with Matt Ushman. Uh, Matt's going to be out there and he wants to hang out with us. So that'd be cool. Um, and yeah. It's the 25th annual. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. All right. Google Beautiful. That. Thank you guys for sticking with us for a whole two hours. Um, happy Oberon Day. And uh, yeah, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. If you're not subscribed to our podcast, please leave a review. And uh, that's that's all the begging we'll do. But cheers, everyone. I'm at the end of my my beer cheers. here. Cheers. And uh, thanks. Not for sure if we'll me. be back next week. We'll 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 be we'll be in touch. But Drew, yeah, thank you so much for for being on this tonight, man. Hey, yeah, Drew, thanks, before bro. before we go, do you want to tell us a little bit about your brewery? How about how about I don't you know fuck you for coming on the entire episode and not talking about your brewery the entire time. I mean, I don't do that. I'm wearing the shirt. I guess you can't really see it because of the name tag. There you go. Love the logo, by the way. Thanks. Um, Yeah. So, uh, so the big news today, um, I was without power here for about four or five hours. Um, Oh shit. But they were upgrading my power. So now I've got a full 200 amps out to the brewery. Um, which is going to make my electric brewing setup work like it's supposed to. Cool. Um, so that's kind of the big news. Um, still working on my control panel, um, but should have a nice three barrel um, electric brewery set up here soon. Um, yeah. I don't All know. your licenses in place. You can, you, you are, you are a brewery. I am a brewery. Yep. Awesome, dude. That's amazing. That's amazing. I guess for everybody who, you know, maybe new listening at this episode, Drew and Oster Brewing, uh, you've set this up on your property, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, funny enough, when we bought this place, um, there was a pole barn back here that was kind of in rough shape. Um had been sort of a horse barn at one point. Um, and it looks completely different. Uh, spent, I guess, almost like three years remodeling it now. Um, and, you know, we poured floors, we insulated, we did, um, you know, interior. <clears throat> we dug a well for the brewery, um, upgraded the power going out there. Um, just a ton of different things. Uh, it's been a real labor of love and, um, 
but now we're like we're really close um to having the big system up and running uh so yeah i mean it's it's gonna be a production facility for now so um kegs and cans um i think we're gonna have a big emphasis on um sort of specialty things like um i know we spent all night talking about barrels and things so uh but that is a passion of mine um probably more so on like the the bourbon and rum sort of the spirit aged uh you know beers but um yeah just excited to finally get things up and running and we're cool, we're real close then i'm happy for you man that's awesome yeah. well thank you thank you for coming yeah. out i'm sorry i didn't mean to drag you to the end of the show for to let you you know talk about that and stuff i mean you know i'm, I'm all about you know abusing our guests and yeah. using them for, for, for their knowledge you know until the end of the show yeah. but you know. i still have this sour barrel so you got to be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair all right all right we got you well jordan drew uh, and everybody else watching thank you uh for being with us and uh Hopefully we'll catch you next week. Um, not 100% sure yet, but we will, uh, we will, we will figure it out. But until then, yeah, my, my beer is empty, but, but cheers everyone. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. cheers.